Hey guys, welcome again to the ETP Building Block series. This week we are going to talk about lists. So you will see what it stands for, what we mean by it, and ultimately how important it is. So I'm gonna get through this part pretty quickly. I think by now you probably know who we all are. But just in case you're new, I know we invited the members of the Better Dieting Group to take a peek at this um, program that we offer for our members. So if you haven't heard of us, I am Susie Glassman. I've been around for about three years, mom of two, uh, mainly just do some strength training and some cardio and working on my list. So Ed, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Coach Ed, and I've been Need to Perform Coach for about a year now. Uh, love bodybuilding, um, playing sports, and just living a healthy, active lifestyle. Cool. What about you, Paul? No, I am I am muted. No, I can hear you. You can you can hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> so um, I'm Paul, founder of Eat to Perform, and um, Knower of all things list related. So <laughs> there we go. All right, cool. In the next slide, we are going to quickly, uh, we're going to highlight a couple of accomplishments from you guys this week, and then we are going to get into the thing that you all came here for. So we like to do this, what's new with you, talk about some accomplishments. You can type them out um, where you uh, type your questions. I think there's like a little hand raised. Just click on that. Type your questions, super fun to kind of see what you guys are up to, but we also know that you came here to talk about lists, so I'm gonna have Ed read off a couple. Uh, we don't have any at the moment, so I'll talk a little bit about something I've done recently, which is I have decided that I do not like cooked broccoli, but I still wanna eat it and I like it raw. So I have been getting these little vegetable trays that have broccoli, snap peas, and carrots, and I have had a serving every day this week, so go me. All right, Ed, we don't have Amber on, so if you wanna say something real quick and then read off um, a couple of things and then we'll move on. Yeah, sure, I well, I don't know if it's, I mean, I guess it's a non, like it's something that I'm happy about is that I made it to the beach finally. I went to um, Spring Lake in New Jersey, so first time of the year. Awesome. Paul, you have anything real quick? Uh, yeah. So uh, kind of similar to Ed, been trying to do some, uh, you know, summer activities. And so, uh, you know, we went to the water park and, and did the Lazy River. As far as I'm concerned, Lazy Rivers are one of the most important community aspects there is to every single community. If your community does not have a Lazy River, you are missing out. Um, <laughs> Yeah. What now? I said we don't. I but that's a great idea. I gotta find one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The technically we have two. Um we have one in my my town, but there's a, a water park. You know, we're like anybody else, you know, my town has an older water park and then there's a newer water park in the town next to us. So of course we go to the town next to us. Um but uh, but yeah, so other than that, uh, you know, I'm still doing my napping. I'm actually almost two months into that. Um, that's still going great. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll be able to get into a little bit of that in the Q&A. Cool. 
All right, Ed, uh, just so you guys know, there's still a prize in it for you. So the more communication and participation we get, there will be a prize at the end. So go ahead and type those out. But I do think we have a couple, so take it away, Ed. All right, so Verena, uh, well, she has a conference call in 30 minutes, so she'll have to leave early. Um, Okay, uh, Christina, or Christine, she finished first place female in her trail race and have and have a night, uh, have a race tonight. So that's awesome. Good job. Ah, uh, okay. That's it. That's it so far. All right. Well, cool. We will move on. I think, Amber, were you able to join us? Maybe not. I thought her. Oh, here we go. All right, Amber, all you missed was your introduction, so tell everybody who you are. Hey guys, I'm Amber, and um, I, achievement. So uh, last time we were on um, Building Blocks, I told you guys my daughter is driving. So I survived our first accident. Ooh, oh no. I know. I know. So my daughter was parking the car, and instead of hitting the brake, she hit the gas. I know everybody's got that one story of the first time I learned to drive that happened. Yeah. So at least it wasn't my house, but she ran into my gym, the gym that I own. She ran into the building. I know. So if that's the worst accident that happens, I'm totally cool with that. So I guess you just have to get that first one under your belt and then hopefully that's it. So I think, I hope that's it. <laughs> so I survived. That's my, that's my win for the oh week. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's just, I don't even know what to say to that, but um, Paul's got a driver too. So Paul, Paul probably feels your pain a little bit more. Yeah, actually my daughter. <laughs> um, so, so real quick here, my oldest daughter within the first three days of being alone, she got into a pretty bad car accident, didn't total the car. But um, it was a, it was a lot of damage um, because she didn't want to turn right, right? So, so she was like scared to turn right, you know, turn her head right. So that oh, became yeah, because the car. Yeah. Yeah. My my youngest daughter is actually now uh, starting to drive, and uh, we were she normally would drive home from school, but because I had to get to this podcast, she didn't, and so we were listening to the radio. And the Weezer remake of uh, Africa came on. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but um, but she, we we came up with the idea for a parody of the song that would be involving a person named Ray, who, you know, she texted Ray who lives in Africa. You know, <laughs> she texted Ray. Um, <laughs> Anyway, okay, so that that's my uh, that's my corny dad joke for the day. Oh, that's hilarious. But yes, I have two I have two drivers in in my house. Um, you always your live car, in fear. Your car insurance what? must be crazy. I just learned that. I I don't know what crazy is. You know what I mean? Like I I don't even I don't even know. Like there was there was a story of this poker player, you know, back in the day. And he's playing poker and and he, he brings his water bill, right? <laughs> and 
he's like, I don't know. I mean, I haven't lived in Las Vegas for very long, but is this normal? And he shows like a water bill for $10,000. You have like a leak or something going on. So he called a plumber and, and turns out water bills in Las Vegas do not cost $10,000. So I have <laughs> no reflection on, on that, right? Like my, my direct TV bill, I recently figured out was like close to $200. And I'm just like, I watch like three things, you know? <laughs> and, um, so they, they gave me like a penalty of $200 to get out of my contract. And then I moved to streaming, which, you know, so far has been somewhat hit and miss. Um, but uh, I'm very interested. Anybody listening right now who has a streaming service that they really not, not not like Netflix, like like a universal streaming service. Right now I use DirecTV now, but I'm not super impressed with it. Um, but anyway, so there you go. Yeah, let Paul You're know. Having yeah. ran into your gym. <laughs> all right so let's get into the topic i'm just uh amber is actually going to talk a little about this and then turn it over to paul and and get paul's thoughts on it sure so uh your total uh daily calorie expenditure totally daily energy expenditure i'm sorry can be broken up if you look at this slide right here that we've got pulled up so most people are under the impression that exercise makes up the most of the energy expenditure throughout the day. And looking at this chart, that's just not true. So breaking it down, you've got exercise. So going to the gym or, you know, doing EH, whatever it is that you're doing. NEAT stands for non-exercising activity thermogenesis. I know, a really long, blah. so we just say NEAT. Just, it's a lot easier for everybody. What that is, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, is just moving throughout the day. Maybe your daily job, cooking, um, um, taking care of the kids, grocery shopping, all that kind of stuff. Then the next little chunk is thermogenic, um, therm, oh my goodness, thermogenic uh, effective meal. So your body has to work and burn calories to digest and break down the food that you eat. So it takes, takes a little bit out of that chunk. And then notice the big red piece at the bottom is your resting metabolic rate. So that's your body. Um, the rest of your calorie expenditure is from the energy it takes for your organs to work, your brain, your heart, your liver, all of that, along with bodily functions take energy too. So put all those things together throughout the day, and that's your daily expenditure uh, for energy. So we're going to talk about NEAT specifically because the topic of this webinar is about lists and why that's such a big piece and, and how we can maximize that in achieving all of our goals. Susie? Yes, and I just want to say with this, so, I mean, unless you are some sort of, you know, ultra distance runner or you're exercising multiple times a day, um, the most of us, on average, exercise will make up a small portion of our overall calorie burn. And then all the other things we do, and, and LIS is a part of NEAT, which we'll go into, just make up a larger chunk. So um, a lot of the thing, times we think, okay, well, I'm exercising and I'm eating right and I'm not losing weight. Well, there's this big chunk of 
um, an area where you could also be maximizing calorie burn. And that's what we're going to talk about. So, Paul, do you have any thoughts on on your your TDEE and how that plays into things? Yeah. So, um, and I don't know if I'm jumping into my portion of the programming yet. Um, okay. But the if you're not if you're listening in the podcast, um, what you'll see is that exercise is a real small part. NEAT is a much bigger part, and resting metabolic rate is a much bigger part, and then thermic effect of meals is a small part. Now, that can actually increase as well, right? So, like, if you start, you know, if you were eating 1,200 calories and now you're eating 2,400 calories using Eat to Perform, your digestion went up quite a bit, right? Your body's not trying to um, – make the most of a very small amount of food so that number goes up as well right and then the the you know especially if you're um you know when this is sort of interesting when you're in a lab and they're measuring your resting metabolic rate so like for instance let's say that you get on an in-body scale and it shows your resting metabolic rate at 1300 a lot of people try to eat underneath 1300 as a way to lose weight well first of all your in-body actually doesn't know what your resting metabolic rate is it's guessing it based on the amount of muscle that you have on your frame so it's taking your um, your lean body mass and just using a random number to to multiply that and that random number is based on the science that you believe so there's catch mccardle there's a few others that are all different and you can kind of google those things and see the differences and then you know what happens a lot of times is that online calculators will sort of make up their own um resting metabolic rate once again guessing low right why are they guessing low mostly they're going to guess low because it supports their theory that you need to undereat to reach the goals that you want to get to, right? And we'll talk a little bit more in depth once we start going into Fitbit. But if you really want to measure your resting metabolic rate, there is a uh, a lab you can go into, and then there's like a like a bubble they put on your face, and they'll measure it like that. And that is really interesting. When we did the podcast with Lane Norton, and I can't remember who it was, Eric something. He's a pretty well-known bodybuilder. Um, Eric, you know Helms. Eric Helms, yeah. So Eric, um, his metabolic rate, they measured it with the bubble, um, and it measured at something like 2,400, 20, 2,600, right? He had a high-functioning metabolism. Two weeks into dieting, it was below half right and so this is why making massive judgments related to body fat testing even metabolic rate you control a lot of those factors and i think a lot of people read that information even looking at this chart that you can't see if you're on the podcast right and you go well my resting metabolic rate is 1200 woe is me you know it's like well you know you can affect that greatly by the thermic effect of meals going up, by your neat going up, by your sleep going up, by your exercise being better. So that in that way that the chart will change quite a bit. 
Yes, exactly. And I think one of the important things you said is that your resting metabolic rate does have a lot to do with your lean body mass. So I, I hear sometimes people say, well, I don't really want to put on muscle. Um, and I think that's just a misunderstanding in the sense that maybe you just don't want to get bulky, but your goal should always be to add lean muscle mass because the more lean muscle mass you have, the more calories you're going to burn just at rest, right? Just the simple fact that you don't want to get bulky probably means you're not going to get bulky. Right, exactly. Right? <laughs> like the, the people that want to get bulky, they have to work really, really hard to do that. When people say, this is actually very common, people will say, I gain muscle really fast. No, you don't. You're <laughs> a liar. That did not happen, right? What you're really saying is you gain weight really fast. And that is, in fact, true, right? The um, You can gain five pounds by going to Cabo and having a bunch of margaritas and guacamole. You did not gain five pounds of muscle in that scenario, even though you look bigger, right? A lot of times, you know, you'll see somebody, there was somebody, a client, a personal client of mine, and her sodium was really high. And she's like, man, my abs are really popping, but my weight is actually the highest it's been in a while. I was like, yeah, that's what happens when your muscles are full, right? And so a lot of the time, we're our worst enemy because we're trying to keep our weight down, but we don't focus on the fact that, you know, with a little bit more sodium. Now, of course, your eat form coach is going to say, be conscious of your sodium. Why? Because they're a little bit more focused on your weight, right? For some people, sodium going up a little bit, they'll find, hey, I actually perform a little bit better with my sodium a little bit higher. And you know what? I'm willing to push my weight, you know, deadline, goal in your head, you know, all the things that, that people think. Um, I mean, we're our own worst enemy in a lot of cases, right? And so, you know, if you don't understand what it takes to actually build muscle, trust me, just because you gained weight does not mean that you gain muscle, but you can gain a big amount of weight in a short period of time. Now, you can't get obese, right? You know, I, I think that's another part that's sort of interesting, right? You'll see people, you know, within reviews that will go up you know, two pounds and they think all of a sudden they're going to become obese, right? Like you don't, you don't do a plan where you're green and you're getting in steps and you're doing your workouts and all this other type of stuff. And then all of a sudden, three weeks later, you're 40 pounds heavier. That doesn't happen. That's never happened in the history of Eat to Perform. What does happen is the Cabo scenario where you're not doing your plan, you go to Cabo, and then you're like, oh my God, I wasn't eating a lot of calories, and then I went to Cabo, what am I going to do? Well, you're not going to do anything. You weren't eating very much, and you weren't ready to take in that amount of food. If you had started off abundant, then we could talk about that. And Neat will play into that, and I'll go into that a little bit more you know, with the slides. Yes, um, very much so. Okay, Amber, I'm going to have you just go Briefly over, you know, what is neat? What is Liz? Uh, what are we talking about here? Can Amber read the slides? Is she is she able to read the slides? Because she she's actually in her car. Yeah. Oh, Amber, you want me to read it? Read it out. Now? Sure. Yeah. You yeah. want me to read it out? Uh, so neat uh, is we've got it bu a bulleted list of it being energy expended through your uh, options or um, examples, energy expended through your Wait, come occupation. Up, come up, she cannot read it. 
Okay. So so I'm gonna read the slide because okay. Amber, Amber can't see it. She's in her car. Um, okay. So I what? I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now in front of me. Okay. Then 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 you're not reading the words correctly. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Activity thermogenesis. <laughs> Bullet number one. Energy expended through your occupation. Okay. Bullet number two. Go sitting. ahead. Bullet number three. Standing. Bullet number four. Walking. Bullet number five. Fidgeting. Housework. Playing with kids. Dancing. Shoveling snow. Low intensity steady state. Bullet number one, heart rate kept low. Number two, not your workout. Number three, no added stress. Okay. Can I talk about them now? Yeah. Can I talk about them now? Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> okay, I so saw that you didn't read it right. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> I okay. So uh, NEAT is your activity throughout the day. So some people have a uh, an occupation where they are locked into their desk for majority of the day. Other people have an occupation where they're a little bit more active. Maybe you're a construction worker or you're a cook and you're moving around a lot more. So energy expended through your occupation is what we mean by that. You've got sitting, standing, and walking. You could We've also got fidgeting, housework, playing, doing whatever it is that you do throughout the day, making lunches. Maybe you're a hairstylist. Maybe you have to stock shelves in a store. All of that, you are burning calories throughout the day, just moving and being. Then you've got um, LIST. So everybody asks what LIST stands for, low intensity, steady state. So it's not your workout. It's something you could do long and slow for a period of time. So maybe you putter around the yard for a while, or maybe you take your dogs for a walk. It's not something that you count as your exercise for the day or ramps your heart rate up. It's something long and slow you're able to do and carry on. I told people to carry on a conversation. If I'm working out, I can't talk to you. Like I'm just breathing. It's not pretty. But I can do lists and we can chit chat and I can tell you about my day kind of thing. All right, Paul, jump in. So the one exception to what she's saying is jogging, right? So if no, you okay. wanted to really get technical about it, you could you could go anything with a heart rate under 120, right? And so you know, if your heart rate's starting to get high, you know, you might want to walk a little bit if you're jogging, right? Um, my my cardio is not spectacular, you know, but I do like a five mile run, which is less. And if my heart rate goes over 120, I just start walking, you know. And the goal, of course, being to jog the whole five miles with my heart rate under 120, where I can comfortably walk through things. So that that would be the only thing that um, I would say there. I think for myself, you know, there's a lot of people that will say to us, I just can't get my steps up. And maybe you can't, you know, that that's possible. Um, I will say that you're pretty much always guaranteed whenever you say that sentence, but um, we, we can kind of debate that. But for myself, I'm on the phone a lot. 
So I do not let myself sit down while I'm on the phone. So I walk while I'm on the phone. I, even when we're in like staff meetings in a webinar scenario like this, I walk while I have my computer in front of me. So it, it's sort of like being in a Spike Lee film um, is the eat to perform staff meetings. But um, that would be the only exception that I think I think pretty much you covered it well there. So what do you say, you know, when somebody says, well, uh, swimming or I, I went bike riding or um, but it doesn't show as steps. So how do I record that in my journal? I think people think that stuff way too much. You know, I mean, if you want to use a step converter, go right ahead and knock yourself out. I do not have anything on my wrist right now. I do. I do have steps on my phone. But I don't have my phone with me all the time, you know. So I have a general idea. I mean, like yesterday, as an example, we had a lot of reviews, right? So I was in doing reviews, and it was 4 p.m. and my steps were at 2,700. And, and this, this is what I'll, you know, is is the next portion my portion because I can just kind of jump into that. Uh, yeah. Well, we talk about variability, and and then we talk about ways to increase your list toward the end. But you can go oh. ahead. I'll go into that. I'll go into that afterwards. But you know, what wearables are really good for is if you're not aware, then it will allow you to go, oh, you know, maybe maybe I should do something. But I'm also going to give you guys reasons to not do lists, right? So you're going to want to keep stay stay keep that in mind. Yeah, I also think wearables are good if you're someone who um, is challenged by that so like you have your your husband or your best friend or somebody and you kind of push each other that way um but i agree with paul that they're they're not the the panacea of you know of everything that they're made out to be but, um ed do you have anything to say i'm sorry i haven't checked in with you no i think uh i think you guys nailed it okay cool so i'm going to go into a little bit about the reason why um neat tends to be variable and kind of what happens to need with higher calories. Um, there's a, a very famous overfeeding study that looked at overfeeding people by a thousand calories a day. Some of those individuals gained very little weight and some gained a lot more weight. And they found a lot of that just depended on this, this portion of the factor, your need. So some individuals will just naturally expend greater energy when you eat more food. I would say that's probably more than some. I would say that's most individuals. And that's just things that your body will unconsciously do, like um, like the little things, moving my hands when I talk, fidgeting, um, standing, sitting, um, just feeling uh, more energy, right? And then the other side of that is that meat unconsciously decreases with lower calories. So you're, you know, you're 1200 calories a day and not losing weight. Well, your body is conserving every last bit of energy. So all those things that you used to do with more food, you're just not doing anymore. Right. So I like to say this is when the calories in calories out model breaks down. You know, I do think obviously physics is involved, but people will say I'm eating 1,200 calories and I'm not losing weight. Um, I think it's all because of a difference in, in not all of it, but a, por a good portion of it is because of these differences in, in your personal energy expenditure when calories are going up or down. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on that? I disagree with you, actually. 
Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I think I think that you know, there's a lot of people that really like to simplify calories in, calories out. And the the simple fact of the matter is, is that your body is going to adjust to it. And like you said, NEAT is one factor. Mm -hmm. Um, Sleep is another factor, right? So, you know, what will happen, they talk about this a lot in the Why We Sleep book, that you'll get like a foraging response. And so you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and you start thinking about work. Well, are you really thinking about work or are you hungry, you know? Cause if you're like me, you know, I mean, I've done it before where, you know, I've under eaten and then, you know, I'll go have some oatmeal with some peanut butter and some protein powder. And then all of a sudden I can fall back to sleep. That should be a big sign that the under eating calories in calories out model was working against you. Right. And this is the argument that we sort of make for calories in calories out is that it is incomplete, but it's more complete at the higher end. It's yes. less complete at the lower end because your body does all these things to you know adjust to it. It will downregulate your your thyroid, downregulate your hormones. Uh, it's going to affect your sleep. It's going to affect your need. So there's all these things that come into play. But when does that not happen? Right? Is it, like Susie was saying, and this is this part I definitely agree on, is that. Um, when your calories are higher, your need is naturally higher. There's another thing that we all kind of would like to to not admit, but when we eat a little bit more, we don't sit on the couch near as much because we know that if we don't get off the couch, it's going to be a net negative for our body composition. So if you want incentive to go to the gym, eat more. Think about any time you've dieted, right? It's much easier, you know, you're you're on four hours sleep, right? You're you're hungry, you want to eat your arm off, and you go, you know what, I just don't feel like going to the gym. Well, if you were eating 3,500 calories at that point, you know, you might be able to get away with that after one day, but not after multiple days, right? You're going to go to the gym. I mean, yesterday, as an example, I was not a hundred percent, did not have time to go to the gym. So I went for a five mile run. I hate running, you know, <laughs> like I, I just don't like running as much as I like other things. Doesn't mean I don't do it. Right. But but it's not um, to say that. I, I mean, I say that because obviously that's a little bit of the joke, you know, um, because I do prefer weightlifting. But I do actually enjoy running. I do like the fact that something is that easy. I mean, like I said. You know, I did reviews most of the day. My steps were only 2,500. By the time I was done with my run, my steps were at 1,200. Now, it doesn't mean that I was eight packed up after my jog, right? And we'll talk about a little bit more about that. But when we look at calories in, calories out model, you know, and we look at expanding knee and we look at having more energy, you know, you have to have food going up as part of the component. And that's where I think it really falters. And obviously that's the basis for each one. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. Amber, anything you want to add in here? No, just be thoughtful and be active. You know, do something that you enjoy. Meat doesn't have to be walking. Everybody seems to think it just has to be walking. It can be anything. Do something that you enjoy and stay active throughout the day. 
Well, and I definitely agree with Paul in the sense that if you've had two salads all day long, I mean, you come home from work, the last thing you want to do is go for a walk or, you know, play with the kids or jump on the trampoline in the backyard or any of those things. And so, um, you know, just think about how it works in your own life and then, um, you know, see how see how it applies. And then, you know, definitely if you've been afraid to push the higher end of calories or to expand your calories, um, you know, I think this is a good case for why you should. Uh, and then, you know, the interesting thing about in the overfeeding study is that when even the weight that was gained, a large percent of that, or well, not a large, but a portion of the weight gain was lean body mass. So some of that like, eating more, you start doing more, your body's going to add some some lean body mass as well, which we've already stated is a good thing. Ed, oh, anything? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Paul. I want to say one last thing. Like if you go for a walk instead of going for a bike ride because you can measure the walk and you can't measure the bike ride with your kids, you're sort of missing the point of how life works, right? And I think that, that you know, what everybody wants this to be is not what it is. It's not this really rigid thing. It's not this thing that if I do X, I'm going to get X, right? You're going to have to kind of play with things a little bit more. Now, we'll say this. If you do X, X meaning get your calories up and X meaning get your work capacity up, maybe you can't measure the bike ride with your three-year-old, right? But the bike ride with your three-year-old is going to pay a lot of dividends when they're 18 and don't need therapy costs, okay? <laughs> so because <laughs> mom was dieting nonstop and she, she did 40,000 steps a day and never had personal time for me, you know? Um, so, so keep that in mind, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. It reminds me of that meme. It's like, the, did steps even happen if Fitbit didn't count it? You know, it's like, come on, yeah. <laughs> counts. So real quick, and then I'm going to let Paul, um, take over here for a bit, but this is in the, in the, um, maybe in the obvious category, but I did want to show you that this has been studied. There is a reference here at the bottom, but when you're looking at um, a case study, these two different individuals, um, one of the, they're both office workers. Um, they both say their, their energy expenditure is about 2,400 calories a day. Um, but when you look at what they do in the evening, so 5 to 11 p.m., they're at home. Bob comes home and watches TV. Um, his energy expenditure in the evening totals about 30 calories. And then say Peter comes home from work, uh, does yard work, maybe finishes painting a bedroom, maybe he rode his bike home from work. Um, that energy expenditure would increase anywhere from 750 to you know, 1125 calories for the evening. So this, that's just um, an actual study that shows the differences between coming home and maybe Bob didn't eat very much all day and he was tired, so he did a little Netflix binge while Peter ate plenty, had enough energy to ride his bike and still do stuff around the house. And that just shows you basically the differences in calories you can burn, you know, just based on that alone. So Paul, I'm gonna have you take over. Ed's gonna talk about this slide too, but let's talk about how we add this, talk about what it means and how it can help. So you want me to read this slide? Well, I was gonna have Ed go through the slide, but then I, I wanted Paul to, to really expand on this too. Okay, so Ed, you read the slide and then I'll take over. 
All right, so for this slide, um, I think this is mainly geared for people who are sedentary for the most part. If you're already hitting 10,000 or 15,000 or plus steps, and you know that with one of your wearables, if you wear one, um, I definitely wouldn't advise trying to increase your steps more because it's very um, calorically expensive to hold on the muscle. So um, if you're adding in three to 5,000 more steps a day on top of your 20,000 steps, you're going to be burning like 4,500 calories in a day. Um, plus all the, all the resistance training or whatever else you're doing. So just keep that in mind that if you are struggling and you're sedentary for most of the day, um, these are just some ways to, um, get, try to get your list up throughout the day. So try to get 2000 to 3000 steps per day more. You could do this by, um, taking a 10 minute walk after every meal, which we got from coach Mike. Um, and so if you ate four meals in a day, you're getting 40 minutes of lists. So, and it also aids in digestion. So that'll definitely help drive up that, um, drive up your total steps for the day. You'll definitely get at least three or 4,000 more steps just by doing that. Um, if you're going to work, park further away from your, from the building or take the stairs rather than the elevator. And then you can also set a timer to get up and move. So maybe it's the weekend and you're uh, just uh, sitting around watching Netflix and chilling. You know, you might want to just set an, an alarm to get up and get more active, go for a 10 minute walk. Um, but I think those are pretty easy ways to just add in a couple more steps for the day. I don't think that's what that means, Ed. Netflix and chill. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But um, you can do that too. <laughs> Yeah, why not? That'll up your. Well, that's really more high intensity. That's like a lot of intervals. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, um, all right. So. Yeah, go on. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about like some one-off scenarios and and kind of get into some of the Fitbit conversation. So it is very common for someone to come to us and say, I get 2,500 steps or 25,000 steps a day. I eat 1,200 calories and I just can't figure out why I can't lose any more weight. And then you go, okay, well, let's do a little bit more research into this topic. What do you weigh now? I weigh 137 pounds, okay? That sounds pretty good. What's your, what's your height? I'm 5'4", okay? Well, that's a really healthy, Wait for five four. Um, what did you start your weight loss journey at? Started my weight loss journey actually at one ninety five. It's like okay, so you used every trump card you could possibly use to lose weight, and now you want to know what your next trump card is, right? And your next trump card, wait for it, is you have to eat more. And in that scenario, you know, and I'm going to make a case for actually walking less in this scenario and potentially staying weight stable. But let's be real here. Is this person going to gain a few pounds? Probably. Right. Um, now, a big part of what we do at Eat Inform is keep people weight stable. Now, we have to have some realistic conversations with people from time to time about what that looks like. but. Let me give you the formula that actually I sort of went through 
with someone yesterday over the phone, right? So this was pretty close to the scenario that we were talking about. So the formula that I suggested for her was coming down to 15,000 steps temporarily, right? And then we were going to move to a little bit more weightlifting with sets and reps. So what she was doing was kind of what she thought to be. And I mean, you know, I don't have any judgment based on how much she lifts or doesn't lift, but it wasn't very heavy. Right. And so she was doing very low reps, very heavy, but it wasn't very heavy. And the reason why it wasn't very heavy is because she lost a lot of weight, therefore lost a lot of muscle. And so she hasn't really been focusing on the muscle building piece. So let me give you an example. And let's say just as, it, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move her weight to 140 just so I have like easy math to deal with, right? So let's say that she's 30% body fat, which means that she's got 70% that is not fat, right? So the math on that is basically 98 pounds, right? So she's got, you know, if you want to know how I did the math, basically 70 times 100 is 70, and 40 times 70 is 28. So she's got 98 pounds of lean mass. And that's the reason why she has 30 pounds of bodily fat, right? So in case you didn't know, she doesn't have a fat problem. She has a muscle problem. When you have 137 pounds on your frame, that means that you've been emphasizing, this is actually the, the technical definition of skinny fat. Now, I wish there was a better way to say skinny fat, right? But there isn't. And so it's skinny fat, right? And so the best formula, and if it helps you, I was skinny fat. For the longest time, I was sort of struggling, you know, I, I make no bones about it. Like I lost a lot of weight doing cardio and lists, right? Most of my cardio was high intensity, but I did do some low intensity work. I mean, I did all manner of crazy shit, right? Like, uh, you know, I would, I mean, one one day it was 37 degree uh, wind chill, right? I'm in Minnesota, I'm in a park and there's no tracks, right? Literally no one had been on this ice in months except for this moron. Right. So, so if I if I stumble, if I break my ankle or anything like that, I'm just dead. D.E.D. Dead. Right. <laughs> and so what ends up happening is when you have like this overemphasis, you know, and I spent probably three months in that scenario at roughly 22 percent because I started at, you know, high 40th percentile as it relates to body fat. Then once I was willing to test my body fat at, at 185 pounds, I found out I was 32% and like I wanted to cry. I started at 255, right? So in that instance, this was something that Susie alluded to a little bit earlier that I wanted to emphasize a little bit more. Your body is your biggest resistance tool. So when she was talking about, you know, when they were overfed a little bit and they started gaining lean, lean mass, you can literally gain lean mass walking, right? Because if, as an example, this happens a lot in the case of people that have more fat to use, you know, and I would argue that this could happen for this 137 pound person. So, so, which I, which I moved up to 140 because of the math, if you recall. 
So the 140 pound person, right? Now all of a sudden she starts doing sets and reps and her lean mass goes from 98 to 105, right? She's so frustrated, could not be more frustrated, right? That she still weighs 140, but she lost seven pounds of fat, right? And why did she gain seven pounds of muscle in that scenario? Well, her trump card to lose weight was not a trump card for using losing fat, right? She was blowing through a lot of muscle similar to what I did, right? And what is really good news for people that do it that way, and we see this every single day, those people respond to weight training better than just about anyone. Their insulin sensitivity is good, right? And in the case of seven pounds for a 140 pound person, I think that that, I mean, I'm just math in the top of my head, but that's like 5%, right? So you, you literally went from 30% 30 per, 30 body fat to 25%. This is the problem with having weight as your goal, right? Because I could show you five, four people that have eight pack abs, right? And they weigh 160 pounds. So if you have this thought process in your head, well, I need to be 120 pounds because that's actually what screwed me because I just did the math. And I was like, if I weigh X, I'll be 8% body fat. And every single time I did it, I would lose weight, but I wasn't losing fat because I was blowing through muscle in the process and I wasn't training for my goal. Most of you guys listening to this are not training for your goals, right? You're not training for the goal that you actually want, right? And so when we looked at coming up with a plan for her, I gave her a plan that trained for the goal that she wanted, right? So what do you think is going to happen when someone goes from 140, you know, and they lose 5% body fat and they start to see change in the mirror? Now all of a sudden they're like, well, okay, let's do this. Let's go down to 8,000 steps from 22,000 steps. And now all of a sudden we're really building muscle because that's the goal. Now, let's say that she really likes triathlons, right? Well, I think there's a lot of people, I wrote an article about this, right? And I, I, I talked a lot about the side effects of anything that you do. And it was mostly about dieting, but sometimes about exercise. There's a lot of people, let's be honest, started triathlons to lose a lot of weight, right? And that's fine that you maybe didn't understand what you were doing and why you were doing it, but you ultimately were doing something that made you much more capable as a human being. And if you're still doing it, you probably like it, right? But the bad news is, is you can't really undereat while doing that, you know, not and be healthy, right? So if the goal was health, and you're running triathlons, I would say that triathlon runners are some of the healthiest people when they're properly fed. There's all manner, like, do you know what I'm talking about with the female triad, um, Susie? Yeah. So there, there was this metabolic condition that is related to a high amount of cardio work and a high amount of under eating, right? And it leads to all manner of dysfunction, like I said, thyroid, 
you know, hormones, all, all these things go bad. You don't get your period anymore. Um, and a lot of that is from overdoing things and under eating. Now, all of a sudden, you take that person who's eating 1,200 and training for a marathon, and you get them to eat an appropriate amount, which normally shocks the hell out of them that the, the amount's like 4,000, 4,500. What comes up in their brain? I didn't start triathlon to stay the same weight. And it's like, but is weight the real problem here, right? What we're really talking about, and this is why I think people need to understand why you do lists, right? The reason why you do lists is so that you don't blow through muscle while trying to get to a healthier weight. So when you would want to be pretty conscious about lists is certainly when you're in a fat loss phase. If you're in a performance phase and your weight stable, and the only way that you stay weight stable is by doing 30,000 steps, you're 100% blowing through muscle, right? And so you have to think to yourself, like Ed talked about it, muscle is the most metabolically demanding tissue in your body. So to build it and to hold it is really super important. And that's the need for food the good majority of the time. So, you know, I have a lot of family members that are similar to Susie. They're really motivated by their Fitbit and they're really motivated by all these challenges. You know, I have a sister-in-law as an example who we were on the 4th of July and every single person that went for a walk, she went for a walk with them. And I mean, I was looking at her, I'm sitting down and I was at, I was at 9,000 steps for the day and I'm if I was at 9,000 steps for the day, she had to be at, at 30 to 40, right? I think you're going too far. <laughs> you know, if every moment of the day you're walking and you're, you're not, you know, using some measures to hold on the muscle in your body, right? Um, even my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law is, like, ridiculous. I mean, if you looked at me... And you looked at him and you go, well, clearly the skinny guy is the healthy one. You would be wrong. He just had heart surgery, right? And he spent most of his life. And, and, you know, I mean, there's genetic factors and stuff like this. But he has spent most of his life, he will tell you, we talk about it all the time, under eating. And, you know, certainly he's, he's gotten to be a little bit smarter about that. Um, and he has resisted training for a long, long time. But but most men that do resistance training don't understand how much they're supposed to eat. So when you see someone now, we will set we will see a lot of people, you know, uh, as an example, we, we have a beta group right now that is testing progress photos. And we do think that that's going to be helpful for people. But even, you know, people do send us progress photos right now. And I have to say, a lot of the way that you view those progress photos is what they mean to you. Like, I can't remember if it was anybody on this call. I don't think that it was. But there was a gal that sent us progress photos. And this gal must have put on 10 pounds of muscle. I mean, she just looked 
so much leaner. And I think in the process, she gained four pounds. So she was talking to us because we all have those numbers in our head. You know, she was 152. You know, if she was 148, she would have had no problem. But because she was 152. But meanwhile, you know, she'd been doing eat form for six months and she looks like she's put on 10 pounds of muscle. Right. So, yeah, you gain four pounds. And, yeah, you don't like being 152. But really, you only gained four pounds of weight but you actually lost six pounds of fat because you gained 10 pounds of muscle, right? And so this would lead you to the logical conclusion that I would be super in favor of body fat testing. And I'm not, because the reason why I'm not in favor of body fat testing, I think it's okay if you wanna use it as, one of 30 metrics, but that's not the way people use it. So I used to, before Eat to Perform, you know, I had kind of like this nutrition consulting type thing, and it was just more or less trying to get a feel for what I wanted to do in the future. And I was very into body fat testing. I would go down to the University of Minnesota. It was funny because they had the Ansel Keys building. Ansel Keys was the person that did the Minnesota starvation study. And, um, uh, started the Mediterranean diet, right? And so he's a he's a well thought of person uh, as it relates to the University of Minnesota, but well thought of in this way because because eventually a lot of that stuff becomes very controversial, right? Um, it was funny though because like in researching some of the stuff with Ansel Keys, even though there was parts of it that that I really disagreed with because when you try and th make things too simplistic for people, it often confuses them. And I think that's what happened in his scenario. Um, but it was largely right, right? That calories make, calories are important, right? Um, there wasn't necessarily the emphasis on the up, but here's the interesting thing about the Minnesota starvation study that most people don't know. For one, they brought the guys down to 1500 calories. It's common for guys to eat 1500 calories now. That was a number they were starving people at in the 40s, right? So that's an interesting piece. The other piece was that their baseline started at 3800. So if you think about the basis for eat to perform, what we're saying is, is your calories are this, and then we bring you down to this, and that your workouts and your goals matter. And how you work out matters, how you, you know, your list matters, all these different factors. And you have to have, you know, an open-minded relationship with what healthy looks like, right? And healthy isn't always eight-pack abs. Um, so I, I think, you know, even in the case of the person that I talked to and we came up with this really great plan, six months from now, she's going to want to lose weight, right? I think that's always going to be a factor. Maybe she won't. Maybe she'll be the one out of three million, right? <laughs> but pretty much everyone we talk to will want to lose weight. Well, guess what? Now she has a higher functioning metabolism. People do sort of overrate. One thing that people say a lot is that the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn. It's like, it's not that big a deal. It doesn't matter all that much. Like Susie was saying, if you looked at the NEAT statistic and if you looked at the resting metabolic rate, what you would see is that 
30 minutes more sleep a day would affect your resting metabolic rate much more than, you know, one or two pounds more muscle. Your neat would affect things much more than more muscle. The problem is, is that everyone looks at every single thing and they want the side effect, right? When in reality, what you want list to be is time with your family, time to go after uh, for a walk, like I was saying earlier, or Susie was saying earlier, the um, you eat a meal, and if you've eaten an adequate amount for that day, I can't tell you how many times at eight o'clock at night, I'm like, hey, you wanna go for a walk around the block with my wife? just because I have a lot of energy and I just wanna get some of that energy out. If you're constantly dieting or you're constantly looking for the side effect, which is you less, right? You're sort of missing the point of what it is to be a human being. The reason why lists exists is because of paddleboarding and biking and all this other type of stuff. And just cause you can't measure that stuff, doesn't mean they aren't super valuable in your life. So just because you're a Fitbit, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I had a Fitbit and some days I was, you know, had 4,000 steps. And so being a little bit more conscious, I'd be able to get 10,000 steps. Okay, cool. Don't need the Fitbit anymore. Once you know that, you don't really need that much more. Now, like Susie was saying, there's some people that just like the challenge. Some people like to be more conscious of it. But I think when I did 2,500, you know, when we did 2,500 reviews the other day, right, and I and I only had a certain amount of steps, I kind of knew I didn't have a lot of steps, you know. Um, I also didn't have a lot of energy, right? Like after you have that that mental expenditure. I think that's another thing that we we could really talk about and, and we were already gone along here, so I'm not gonna go real super deep into it. But what you do with your brain matters a great deal, right? Um, I was just talking to my wife, both of our goal is to retire when we're 55. Now, when I say retire when I'm 55, I mean something different than she means when she says retire in 55. When I say retire at 55, Brad will be in charge of each reform and I'll still be a very active figure within each reform, right? When she retires, she's leaving her job, right? Yeah. And, and, but in both instances, we will be able to up our activity. And why? Because mental energy matters. Every single person here will tell you on Mondays, which is our biggest reviews, that's the day they don't go to the gym. That's the day they're mentally fatigued, right? And you have to sort of keep that in mind as it relates to your ultimate goals. You know, if your ultimate goals is eight pack and veiny abs, you have to ask yourself, everybody that I know is eight packed up and has veiny abs, owns a gym, <laughs> right? Like if you want to be eight packed up and have veiny abs, own a gym, right? Amber <laughs> is, is no. one of the biggest people here, you know, because she owns a gym. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to workouts right and 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 that's a little bit if you're doing a lot of lists and you're doing NT training or and you're doing everything hurts 
and you're just trying to keep your weight down the whole time, it's very hard to build lean mass staying weight stable. That's just the truth, right? A lot of people will say, you know, join Eat to Perform. You can, uh, well, a lot of people won't say this because um, we don't say it. We don't say you can lose fat and gain muscle at the same time, right? We don't believe that that's true, right? Um, but if you're open to having your weight fluctuate a little bit, that will help you, will help you mentally. But if you want to have, like I said, you know, buy Amber's gym. Uh, Amber, <laughs> is your gym for sale? I mean, it's got that big hole in the wall now. Okay. Right? But 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 you'd sell it, right? For someone who wants to have eight packed and painty abs. Come on in. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> but um Well, yeah. it kind of leads me to where I was talking about here. Like, you know, having recreational activity in your life, you know, something that's fun. But I also talked about when you're talking about mental health, you know, challenge yourself to pick up something new. And this is one tip that I took. Um, you will force yourself to to make new brain pathways and connections, be new at something, you know, if you go, you know, just whatever it is at random, something that's fun. I put skiing up here. I, I'm not a skier. We moved to Colorado. I finally got into it. Now I like it. Um, but you, you'll move your body in different ways. You'll activate your brain. It's not something you're going to track. Um, it's just you know, have some fun. Um, I know I was going to have Ed talk a little bit about things that, that maybe he does for recreational activity. Um, you guys too. Ed, you want to jump in? Uh, sure. Yeah. So for me, I love um, football. So I'll do flag football um, in the, like you definitely feel it too. So maybe you took a break from doing this sport for a while. Um, you're utilizing other um, muscle groups that you're not used to when you pick up a sport. So ultimate, um, ultimate Frisbee too, you could do, you know, soccer, the world cups going on. That's a lot of fun too. Um, you know, there's so many things you could do uh, stand up paddle board, um, kayaking, hiking, all these things, um, s snowboarding, skiing. So something new, um, definitely will burn some more calories, but it's a fun way to do it. And I don't want you guys tracking it. Um, you don't need to track it. Um, this is more about like just living life, as Paul said, you know, don't worry about just trying to get your list up and counting it. Uh, and if it doesn't, if you can't wear your Fitbit, don't worry about it. You know, it's not that big of a deal. So white people sports. <laughs> hey, hey, I laugh because my my Apple Watch does not. It's like when I'm skiing, I don't get any steps, but it's really hard work. So I'm, mentally, I had to be like, okay, I'm not doing this for steps. I'm just doing it because it's fun. So yeah. Also, white person sport. It is. <laughs> they, yeah. they, I listen. I listen to this podcast, the Jalen and Jacoby podcast, and Jalen is Jalen Rose, who's the African American basketball player, and Jacoby is is a, a white guy, which is interesting because Jalen's significant other is white. And then um, Jacoby's significant other is black. Right. And they have a segment called cultural or regional. And it's so funny, all the things that, that, you know, are cultural and regional. Some, some things that, you know, are done in Tennessee, you know, like great example, duck, duck, gray duck. 
All you guys are like, what are you talking about? It's duck, duck, goose. In Minnesota, it's duck, duck, gray duck. I kid you not, right? That is regional, right? But there are sports, like like Ed was saying, ultimate Frisbee. I mean, I don't have any black friends that play ultimate Frisbee. That doesn't mean that there isn't one, right? There might be one. You know? I'm just saying there isn't a lot. Um. Anyway, so send all the emails to Susie. <laughs> all right are we good to take some questions now or is there any other points you want to make oh my god we've gone that long and we haven't even gotten to questions great well we'll get some questions in oh this is just a summary um i point more is uh better up to a point we talked about that uh, ways to sort of monitor it, and then you know, if you know you, if you know you don't move much, if you know you sit at the computer all day, um, then work to work to increase it. So here we go. Um, we're gonna, you guys have questions? Go ahead and ask. Amber's got a prize. Oh, Verena's got a tip for you: a Cody box off Amazon. It's amazing. Have you heard of that, Paul? For I have your not. for your streaming. Oh. oh, I mean, I have a, I have a Roku in my um, upstairs bedroom, and then I have an Apple TV. I actually probably like the Roku more. Oh, really? Um, but it, it's not about the, the equipment. I'm talking about the overall service, right? So, like, the overall service. I think that the ones that I've heard of are, you know, Hulu. Um, Direct TV now, Google TV. These are all that have like local channels and things like this, you know. But Direct TV now is not ready. They're not ready for prime time, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I saw that YouTube has like a uh, streaming service too. I think you could watch TV on there now. <clears throat> that is that's the that's the next one I'm going to try. Okay. Um, oh, and Xfinity has one through my cable. But, you know, Xfinity is like a cable company, so they're, they think like a cable company. YouTube is like, yeah, two weeks free trial, and then after that, it's $30. Infinity's like, we'll lock you in for three years, and it's $30 a month. I'm like, YouTube's a better deal, Xfinity. You need to wake up, you know? Um, All right, Amber, we, do have, we have one question coming in. You want to grab it? Sure. It says, where does recovery fit in when you do running slash triathlons? Tired legs. So I know Paul used that example of the triathlete, and I know Christine does um, triathlons. So she's asking, where does recovery fit in with all that training? Well, in, my view, in my view, that comes down to rest, right? So the you know, any good programming is going to have a little bit of resistance training so that you're holding on to muscle in that process and they're not going to have you run. So most programs, I, I, I think I'm right here, um, but it, correct me if I'm wrong, Susie, because I know Susie's done a lot of running in the past. I don't know what you're running from, Susie, but, uh, you know, we could talk about that later in a therapy session, but the <laughs> But most running programs have like tempo runs, shorter runs, and then one long run during during the week. You know, I usually schedule my super day the day before a long run. Um, 
I think I've talked about this before. I used to run 20 miles on Sundays. Um, it was like three summers ago. It was fun. I really did actually enjoy that, other than the fact that my lower extremities hurt like crazy all the time. Um, and I was also tight all the time. So a lot of the squatting and stuff like that was not available. But I think it comes down to rest. And I think the other thing, too, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, when I was doing it three summers ago, I think I weighed 169. Right now, I'm like 190. So if you weigh 20 pounds more than you did previously, you're going to need more recovery in that scenario. So I would probably, you know, I would maybe bring the running down to a little bit more, you know, tempo, maybe shorter and then a longer run um, or add in just two days instead of three days. Right. I would factor that in. like. A lot of times people will look at programming and they'll just do programming. And then you wonder, is that for a 120 per pound person or is that for a 180 pound person? Because it should be different. So that's yeah. my question. So didn't she I'll say, yeah. It, it, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say then um, she's following up with asking about lists on rest days and incorporating that. Why the hell are you doing all that running if you're going to do list two? Like, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah, like, like the whole point. I mean, if you think about it, so, so, so Christine is, she does this a lot. So when I talked about yeah. 120, when I talked about 120 uh, heart rate, that's probably pretty close to where she's at. You know, so a lot of her running or bike riding or whatever is going to be lists technically so if you're racking up 20 to thirty thousand steps or or the equivalent of bike riding you know i would use those other days as full-on rest you know um or or resistance training yeah i mean and i would say like i i did a long run and got you know over twenty thousand steps and then the next day i had like six thousand but i didn't feel bad about it right because i had twenty thousand the day before so it's kind of you know, it's all you, you got to rest when you need the rest. And another big part of recovery um, is the food, right? So, I mean, I have, I don't think she'd mind me talking about it, but I have a client who's running a marathon or training for a marathon, and then she's trying to incorporate strength training because she has some strength goals. But every time her weight goes up half a pound, she panics. And <laughs> I'm like, you know, you're going to have to, there's a time to focus on weight loss and a time to focus on your race or your goal. So um, make sure right now that, that part of your recovery is the food, is my point. So, so you did not use her name. So you, you could literally just use an okay. example. Um, but what I will say, there was somebody that asked about swimming the other day. And running is the same. Is that if you run, basically what you're doing is you're putting a lot of demands on your psoas, you're putting a lot of demand on your muscle system, tendons, ligaments, things of this nature. If you then squat, is that going to loosen your system up or tighten your system up? And it's going to tighten your system up, right? So you might want to look at some type of 
isometric training or some kind of band training or things that, you know, yoga work, you know, you see this a lot in basketball right now where everybody's doing hot yoga, you know, um, I, if I was a runner, you know, just knowing what I know now and, 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 you know, running in the past, if I was running two to three days a week, yoga would 100%. It, once again, it's, are you doing something for that? Or are you doing it for the side effect, right? So if you weren't concerned about your weight, what would you do? And I think you would do yoga. Right. So that's something to think about. Yeah. All right, guys, we've gone over. So any final questions? Or I'm going to turn it over to Amber for the prize. I don't see anything coming in. So let's go ahead and do that, Amber. Okay. So. With all um, the accomplishments that I saw, Christine finished first place, um, finished first place female in her trail race and has another one tonight. So I've got some wireless headphones to give you, my good friend, a super cool prize that I think you'll love. You can just put those babies in and connect them to your phone and then you can listen to this podcast all over again when you go for a run and hear Paul in your ear. It'll be perfect. And even if you have them, <laughs> I find like you can never have too many because there's always one set that's not charged. So or the or the yeah. one that you forget to bring to the gym. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, is always good. So, Christine, good luck. We are super excited that you won the prize and can't wait to hear how your race goes, my good friend. I'll be anxious to read your journal. Tizzy all right, guys, um, with all of that, I am going to end the webinar. Thanks for joining. Um, when I post a link, feel free to share it. If you got some good information you want to share it with your buddies, we would love that. All right. Peace out, everybody. Have a good day. Everybody have a good weekend. Talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.